Why is there so little humour in B2B content? That's an excellent question. Let's ask Liana Patch. listener, you are very welcome to B2B Q&A, the podcast where we go in search of an answer to your question about B2B content writing. This is episode 102. In a moment, we'll ask comedian and copywriter Liana Patch a question from Alistair Ross. Why is there so little funny content in B2B? Liana will also share some pointers to help you use humour well in your own copy, and we'll hear a copywriting tip of the month from Radix's own head of copy, Matt Godfrey. Well, sort of. Kinda. <laughs> My name's David Maguire. I'm creative director at Radix Communications, the B2B writing agency. And this month, our guest co-host is none other than Radix senior copywriter, Katie Eddy. And we're actually in the same room for the first time in what feels like years. Katie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back, firstly. And I'd like to apologise to people for the inevitable echo because we don't believe in soft furnishings at Radix. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, as you can hear, we're recording this in a, in a, in a stark, <laughs> surrounded by stark breeze blocks and, um, and minimalist style. It's very fashionable. <laughs> How are you, Katie? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. It's, it's nice to be back near people. Yeah, um, isn't it? And talking in real life and not having lag in conversations, but now I have no excuse for when my brain shuts down, it's just all me. <laughs> I won't tell anyone if you don't. <laughs> um, so Katie, as guest co-host, would you mind telling the listener how they can get in touch with us? I can absolutely do that. Listener, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can find Radix on LinkedIn or Twitter. At Radix.com or, if you want us to answer your question on a future episode, record a quick voice note and send it by email. Podcast at radix-communications.com Ah, cracking job. Thank you very much. Right then, let's get on to this month's question. Come in, Alistair Ross. Hello, I'm Alistair Ross, creative partner at Logic Logic Magic, and my question is... Why is there so little humour in B2B content? This is a really well-made point, Alistair. When we think about the really memorable examples of B2B work, I mean, especially B2B videos, so many of them are funny. But actually, those examples are few and far between. And when I asked on LinkedIn, 69% of respondents said B2B content is more serious now than it used to be. And that comes at a time when people are talking a lot more about emotion in B2B content and the importance of B2B brands being likeable. So it seems a bit, well, weird. To get to the bottom of it all, I asked Liana Patch from Punchline Copy. Liana's a comedian herself, but also she's a copywriter and she's worked on subjects as interesting as accountancy software and legal contracts for business. So I started by asking her Alistair's question. Why is there so little humour in B2B content? I think it's because people are scared uh, and there's a holdover from, you know, business culture of the past where we're expected to be very formal and professional and 
the definition of what's professional is still kind of mired in uh, dear sir or madam, I have this offer for you, please at your early and convenience reply. Uh, and that's not how humans talk, right? So there's this resistance because it's scary to try a new thing. It's scary to be the only one in your industry trying the new thing. Um, but the, I think the payoff can be incredible. And is that harder to do in B2B, do you think? Only because of the mindset and because there are more corporate structures and people to get through and permissions to get. You know, if you're running your own thing, you can decide to change the way you communicate. But if you're working with 50 other people who also have to be on board, then it's much slower and often doesn't happen. Do you think the picture has changed lately? Maybe it's wishful thinking, but I hope that I see a trend toward using it more. Um, I wonder if the pandemic has affected people's willingness to go out on that limb because like everything is on fire all the time. So like, maybe we shouldn't joke. Um, although I think it, it works to lift the pressure sometimes. So if the listener was tempted to start trying a bit of humor in their B2B content, do you have tips for them? Where should they start? Cause you know all about being funny, right? I, I hope so. God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I'm just an enthusiast, just a casual observer. Um, I always say start in emails because that's where you have that one-to-one relationship building opportunity. It's less risky. Um, and then even within that, you don't need to start your email like, hey, David, knock, knock, who's there? Cold email. Um, although I love that and I would love receiving that. Um there's a spectrum, right? You can sort of ratchet up the warmth in the personality. So maybe you switch from saying, dear David, to hi, David. Um, maybe you contract more words from uh, we do not do this to we don't do this, um, which hopefully you don't have to say all the time. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, there's a way to just be friendlier that's on its way to actual humor and jokes. So you're kind of warming them up and then, and then you're hitting them with the jokes. Hopefully. And, and maybe that's a confidence builder on the end of the person who's trying it for the first time. Sure. And, and then are there aspects of B2B that you think are kind of particularly... So emails is a format, mm-hmm. a good place to start. Are there kind of aspects of when you're writing to someone about their job where humor can be particularly helpful? I, I think so, um, especially if you have to deliver bad news um, or you have you know, constructive criticism or feedback to deliver, uh, couching that in some sort of um, humor or observation that makes them feel like we're in this together or I know how you might be feeling to get this news um, and I get it. And like, hopefully it doesn't ruin the rest of your day or whatever. Um, I think that can help soften things and make people more receptive to receiving um, bad news or, or criticism. But you don't want to joke about them. <laughs> you don't want to joke about their abilities. Right. Like big warning sign, big caveat. Okay, so you you don't joke. You don't make jokes at their expense, but you might joke about the realities that they're facing as part right. of their work. Right. So this is something that I I tend to teach um, is that observational humor is one of the safest styles of humor, um, and that's making a joke about something that we can both observe in our environment or in pop culture or current events um, that brings us closer together. But I'm not the butt of the joke and you're not the butt of the joke. So we can safely laugh at it together. With you. And presumably within B2B, the point is that you have to show them how well you understand their job. Right. So like if you're if you're delivering the bad news that supply chain disruptions have kept your container in port and you still don't have, um, you know, this 
product for your client, um, depending on how many times you've had to tell them and like how receptive they might be to this. Uh, you might say like, I know it's, uh, it's been 84 years and use that gift from Titanic of the old lady, like holding them. It's been 84 years. That might be too top, uh, too <laughs> niche. Um, like I know you've been waiting forever and it really feels like this for me. Uh, I feel like I've lived a thousand lifetimes just waiting for your container to be offloaded. But in the meantime, here's what we can do. Um, and here's some, some ways that I can help you. So if you're going to make a joke, remember in, in a bad situation like that, in a fraught situation, remember that you should end with helping them. <laughs> and don't just like yeah. make a joke and then leave them there. As you mentioned earlier, for a lot of people in, in B2B, the problem is going to be getting that stuff past their stakeholders, yeah. right? Getting that stuff approved and, and signed off. You got any tips on how they can approach that? Uh, they can point to the piles and piles of research um, showing the benefits of humor for relationship building, information recall, anxiety reduction, um, you know, ability to see someone who's making your life harder as a person with their own issues and not just like a problem. Uh, there's so much research out there pointing to the, the psychological, social, and emotional benefits of humor. So could you give a, an example that has kind of worked for you in B2B of using humor? Yeah. Um, so I've had, uh, I worked for a client called Sprinkler Supply Store, and they wholesale um, sprinkler parts and landscaping equipment. Uh, and so I wrote some uh, email series for them, some automated email series. And I think usually in all, across all industries, but especially in um, like B2B and manufacturing, you get someone clicking on in Clavio and just using the default flows that are already set up, but we wanted to do something different and fun. And so we set up an abandoned cart flow where we talk about um, one of the guys who works at the company is crying because you haven't finished checking out. And then the second email is like, Kyle is under the desk now. He won't come out. We had to call his mom. And the third email is like, look, Kyle's on his last legs. We need you to, to finish paying. Um, and the client gets uh, good feedback on that all the time. People respond to those emails and say like this, brightened my day. This was really funny and unexpected. Um, and they notice elsewhere in the funnel that uh, I worked on optimizing with them, they notice the microcopy that feels friendly and feels funny and like, hey, a human was here. A human paid attention to this. I will buy from them with more confidence now because if they pay this much attention to their checkout flow, someone will be there when I need support. I guess what I see with a, a lot of brands that, that, that use humor to attract certain clients is that by doing that they're trying to kind of turn away people that maybe aren't such a good fit for them and maybe it's a good way to find the clients that are the the best fit for you and the way that you want to work does, does that sort of make sense yeah um when you start to get more comfortable with your sense of humor and your personality and how you can bring that into your communication any disconnect between that and a potential client is probably a red flag. Like I have no problem with people who want to be very formal about their projects. And like, obviously I send proposals and we do contracts and you know, I have an invoicing software, like that kind of professional, obviously very important. But if we're not able to write each other quick emails saying like, Hey, did you get a chance to look at the, uh, the document? Yeah, I did. I'm out this week, but I'll look at it later. If it, every email has to be like, dear Leanna, upon receipt of your former email, I have decided that, you know, then it's not a good fit. And I, I tend to sort of repel those people before they even get to me <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> 
Is there a challenge where people are maybe nervous because they not everyone agrees on what's funny, right? It's a very personal thing. Definitely. Yeah, and and I think that's part of the resistance. Um, people are afraid to make a joke because they don't know if it's going to resonate with the other person. Um, and I think that getting around that starts with knowing your own sense of humor and starting to know your own sense of humor involves looking at what you enjoy, what makes you laugh, being mindful in the moment, um, what shows and comic books and cartoons do you like now and did you like as a kid, what stand-up comedians do you find really funny, and just get very curious about what it is about them. Maybe it's the subject matter, maybe it's the delivery, um, maybe it's the sophisticated joke setup, and you just have like an incredibly highbrow and intellectual taste and humor. Um, but that will help you connect with what you find funny so you can bring a little bit of that in at a time, uh, and it feels authentic and not like you're trying to be someone else. If the listener wants to find out more about you, either your comedy or your copywriting, how can they get in touch with you? They can find me on Twitter at Punchline Copy, where I share far too much about my personal life. Don't be all. Thanks again, Alistair, for your question. And thank you, Liana. I had an absolute blast talking to you, which... It's kind of predictable when you think about it. Katie, what stood out for you there? I mean, I think for a start, she is very correct in saying that people are scared of it because I personally am terrified of it. <laughs> um, there's, there's something that feels so risky about um, putting a joke down on paper and sending it to a client. I feel like an inherent need to defend a joke that I make and over-explain it to the oh. point where it stops being funny. If you explain a joke, it no longer works, Exactly. Right? And it'll always get taken out anyway because I think, yeah, people are super nervous about it. And with good reason, I think I Ooh. see... Well, I think I see more examples of humour going badly than humour going well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends whether you think all publicity is good publicity as <laughs> 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 Can you think of an example of humour going badly? I mean, I always, I lean on the same thing every time, which is the messages you get when things crash. This isn't a B2B example specifically, but it's something I see a lot. Um, When Chrome breaks and you get a little sad face Mm. and you get a oops and... I've been harping on this literally my entire career at Radix. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it so much. It makes me so angry, just irrationally angry. Yeah. Um, and I get it, like, objectively, it's, you know, it's designed to diffuse something that's that's frustrating to you. But I see red at that point. I'm starting to think that maybe I'm just a bad person that <laughs> doesn't <laughs> like humour. I thought I did, but maybe I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think... Like, MailChimp do this really well. Like, there's a whole guide for MailChimp's mm-hmm. writers about what you do and what you don't joke about. And an error message is, you know, their, their whole thing is about what is the reader feeling in that moment. And if the reader Absolutely. is frustrated and a bit annoyed, making a joke at that moment is maybe not the thing to to do. But it's all situational about the audience rather than about you, which I think is pretty... Is pretty clever. I mean, there are good examples, though. I mean, B2B is kind of ripe for that observational stuff that Liana was talking about because there is so much about work that is ridiculous, right? Oh, yeah. So silly. And I think 
with the exception of a few probably executive level people who take it very seriously, I think it's universally accepted that business structures and things we do on a daily basis are very silly. Like <laughs> You just need someone to point it out, right? Exactly. Like You need someone who's probably braver than I am to point out that we're all just sitting on our little computers, writing our little emails. Uh, I think there's um, like one of the most... One of the best examples of humour I've seen lately in a B2B context is like the Apple thing that they did last year that was shortlisted for the best content of the year. Um, the one that like this whole working from home thing. Mm-hmm. And that, that, you know, they kind of just exaggerated how ridiculous everything was. Now everyone was kind of working from home, but not doing it in a way that was anyway kind of making light of the pandemic. I think it was quite skillfully done. So when you're writing a piece of content and you're thinking of putting something in funny, is that coming from you and then you're explaining it to the client or is the client pushing you to be more funny? I think usually if a client is telling me to be funny, I will do absolutely everything in my power to tell them not to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if they come to me expecting to try and be funny, it's not going to end well. I do only with clients I know really well and I've spent a lot of time like stewing in their brand voice I think then you get um you get a sense of what you're able to joke about and the kind of jokes that would fit with their tone I have this theory that puns specifically humor I have time for puns specifically I think are a nightmare in b2b Mm -hmm. because most of the time we're writing for people that have spent more time in that industry than we have and so they've seen all the puns. Like, if you're someone like us and you yep. write for this industry, that industry, the other industry, a little bit at a time, a pun might seem really fun to you. But, like, if you're an OEM in the air conditioning industry, how many times do you think you've seen puns with the word cool? That's a cool solution. Yep. You know, or I see so many things aimed at the automotive industry. They go, oh, we're switching gear. Or puns with drive, you know, drive results. But like, do you not think that they've seen all of that already? Yeah. I think that's always the slight worry that I have, is that like, it's old hat already for the audience. Yeah, I kind of think about it in the same way as I experienced in retail when I was younger, when something wouldn't scan properly and the other person is like, oh, it's free then. And, you know, that's very hilarious. Well done. Congratulations. But also, you're probably the eighth person, probably on the same product that doesn't have a proper barcode on it, Mm. asking me that question. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, in that case, you're paid to laugh, but um, when you're trying to sell to somebody or, you know, convince them to come to your company, they're just going to roll their eyes at you so hard, like there'll be a physical creaking noise. (laughs) So we think... Probably observational humour about how ridiculous work is, uh, is good and it helps you as a B2B brand to show someone how well you understand their job. Puns, maybe less so. Maybe definitely not, thank you. (laughs) So I actually wanted to get to the bottom of this idea about whether there's less humour in B2B than there used to be. Because I kind of feel like all the good examples that I know, apart from that Apple one, are kind of four or five years old. So I asked our friends on LinkedIn, 69% said there's less funny content now than there, there used to be. Andrew, last at Harvard, says it's definitely becoming rarer. 
which is a shame because it has so much impact. Andre Spiteri says there's still some funny stuff, but sadly, again, becoming rarer, while Craig Clark at Market Reach says they're actively trying to encourage people to try it. Personally, I've spoken with a marketer at a B2B tech company that's well known for its humour, and even there, they are deliberately trying to move away from it. Hey, do, I mean, is that a trend that you see? Things are more serious than they were? Um, I, I've definitely seen less of it out in the world. I think, for me personally, I'm in the fortunate position where I'm starting to bed into clients that I've worked with for four or five years that are trusting me a little bit to have a bit of fun. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently working on a project which is targeting UK health providers. And I think there's a good opportunity there to tap into a little bit of their gallows humour, um, but not too much of it. I don't want to be stepping on toes. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's less funny content, then maybe that is an opportunity. Um, either way, thanks to everyone who took part in the discussion, you lovely, lovely people. Now it's time to hear our copywriting tip of the month. Radix's head of copy, Matt Godfrey, is far too shy to record his actual voice, so we had to get a computer to read his tip for him. Copywriting tip of the month. When you've finished writing a piece, delete your first sentence. Too much B2B content opens with unnecessary exposition, especially considering we're typically writing for an expert audience. So, by deleting your first sentence, or even your first paragraph, there's a good chance you'll have a much stronger opening that will hook readers in, rather than telling them stuff they already know. Copywriting tip of the month. Thank you for that, RoboMat. It's good advice, especially in B2B. Uh, Katie, is that a trick that works for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, for me, I'm a very aggressive self-editor, so it's not just the first line or the first paragraph that goes. It's often the first 300 words that I have written. But (laughs) it's, um, yeah, it's about acknowledging how much of your writing is working yourself up to the point that actually matters, I think. And, you know, culling what, is extraneous. Anything that enables us to delete in today's fast-moving, competitive digital landscape, comma. Yeah, no one needs any of that. No one. Well, I'm sorry to say that is all we have time for this episode. Katie, please, would you thank this month's contributors? Huge thanks to Alistair Ross for asking such a thought-provoking question and to Liano for answering it so excellently. And also, thanks to Matt's robot twin for the copywriting tip, and to everyone who took part in our LinkedIn poll and discussion. And thanks to you, Katie. Awesome as ever, and lovely to uh, see you in person, of course. And even if the room is uh, a a bit echoing, nice to to actually do this uh, the proper way. And listener, remember, it could be your question that we answer in a future episode. If you have a question for B2B Q&A to answer, email a voice memo to podcast at radix-communications.com or find us on social media. I'll see you next month for a special B2B Q&A when we'll be trying to answer the contentious question, what has been this year's best B2B content? Until then, make good content and remember, a day without laughter is a day wasted. If you spent the day laughing on a Zoom call... Well, make your own mind up. 
Goodbye. Goodbye.